Hello everyone. Welcome to a, another tasty episode of All I Say Disabled. I'm your host, Caleb Center. And this is me, Trevor King Thick. We're on Crash Bandicoot Part 2. And uh, yes, this is another late episode. You're welcome. <laughs> we got a little busy yesterday. And uh, yeah. But anyway. I can't really say what we were doing until after the one minute mark, but just wait till that gets here. <laughs> I'll gladly explain what we were doing. <laughs> so if we're in the middle of talking, and as soon as one minute kicks up, I'm going to say it. But continue. I already know what you're probably going to say, and I'm not going to enjoy it whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we're going to finish up, uh, well, more than likely finish up today on Crash Bandicoot. Uh, we finished off the last part going over the last bits of information on the 2016 to present revival of we uh, was fucking okay yeah, we, we, <laughs> I knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> all day baby I'm a perpetual motion machine I don't stop that call me so in needle for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fast and that bitch don't stop until you unplug me. <coughs> on the table, on the ground, it don't matter to me as long as you ain't got a frown. <laughs> Back to what I was saying. Uh, yeah, we finished up the last episode with the last bit of information on the 2016 to present revival of the uh, timeline or so, if you want to call it that. But... Today we're going to pick up uh, on gameplay elements of the Crash Bandicoot series. Um, if you guys have, anybody has played Crash Bandicoot, you know they're relatively simple games. Just think of, I mean, it's basically the same thing along the lines of like Mario or mm. Sonic or anything like that, where it's a platformer that has a pretty basic goal and gameplay plan. Yeah. Think of like Mario-like movements with more Sonic-esque level design. I wouldn't really say Sonic-esque level design. I mean, well, it's usually always in a straight line. Yeah. But, I mean, but there are slightly branching paths. Yeah, but like mainly do like mainly with the fact of like Sonic is like a lot of times I feel I'm gonna be straight up honest with you. I feel like Crash Bandicoot's levels are a little less complex than Sonic's because I mean, Sonic's well, yeah. has to, Sonic. Yeah. I mean, well, minus the fact that you can't do loop de loops with Crash and yeah other you know simple things like that but i mean it's basically just like christianity the straight and narrow <laughs> <laughs> but so uh crash is of course primarily a platforming series uh the goal of each level is to guide crash from the beginning to the end yep <laughs> traveling either into uh into the screen towards the player or left or right in a side-scrolling manner uh Several levels place Crash in unique situations which require the use of motorbikes, jet skis, submarines, and various wild animals to complete the level. Of course, those levels are mainly like the... I guess you'd call them like race levels and everything like that. Like I know Crash 1 has... Or am I thinking of Crash 2? I know one of them, either Crash 1 or Crash 2, I can't remember really exactly off the top of my head. I think it's Crash 2, yeah. That you ride a pole, like a little young polar bear mm -hmm. uh yeah crash one you ride a boar <laughs> and then like crash three is the one that has like the motorcycles and stuff and uh, i think the jet ski in it and everything 
but the they're they're basically the same premise except it's a little bit different gameplay just because the fact that you're in a vehicle of some sort or something like that. But uh, so in the original Crash, uh, Crash's move set uh, was rather limited. Uh, he could run, jump, and spin his, uh, his way through treacherous environments and hostile creatures. Uh, Cortex Strikes Back introduced uh, several new moves for Crash to utilize, including a high jump, uh, high spin jump, body slam, and slide attack. Uh, and then Crash 3, which was warped. <laughs> uh, Crash 3, which was uh, warped, uh, ex- expanded uh, on this by awarding the player with new abilities after each boss is defeated. Uh, which was carried over to Wrath of uh, the Wrath of Cortex. The uh, the player can also spin and slide at the same time when pressing the right buttons. But yeah, those uh, the uh, boss awarded abilities were basically what I was talking about in the last episode uh, to you, Trev. Was the uh, like the superpowers? I guess you can call them. Like one of them was like the high jump or something like that, or the double jump, and then the other one was like the super body slam. And like, one of them was like a fruit bazooka. Yeah. And shit. But, uh... So the next is, uh... Next part of the gameplay, of course, is collectibles. Uh, the most common collectible is the, uh... Wampa Fruit, which if you guys have played Crash, you know it's the, like, little... Mango-looking Yeah, things. yeah, red and yellow, like-looking apple-slash-mango, whatever the hell it is. Uh, and it's found on the main path of most levels, as well as inside most crates... And collecting 100 fruits uh, award the player an extra life, uh, which that's very similar to, of course, Mario. And uh, does Sonic do that when you get 100 rings or something like that? I can't remember. I know Mario, like you get like 100 coins, you get a life. No, to my knowledge, Sonic never did that. I, the rings were just primarily used just as a health system. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Never mind. Yeah, but uh. But yeah, so the, the fruit takes on other uses in most spinoff titles, such as restoring health in certain Crash Bash levels and increasing weapon power in Crash Team Racing. Uh, in recent titles, the fruit is used to replenish Crash's health, with Mojo effectively replacing it as the new main collectible item. Uh, and by collecting Aku Aku Masks, which is the other collectible in the Crash games, you uh, can be protected from harm from most enemies and obstacles, and uh, through certain elements such as uh, bottomless pits, uh, yeah, the certain elements such as bottomless pits uh, will cause them to lose the life regardless, even if you have the Aku Aku mask active. So you still have to jump. <laughs> uh, Crash can collect up to two masks uh, for extra hits of damage, and with an additional mask granting him temporary invincibility and also ups your speed a little bit. Just like the uh, Star Mario. Yeah. And then uh, when Crash collects two masks, Aku Aku return gold uh, in most games. However, in Crash Twin Sanity, Aku Aku will sparkle. Which, uh, if anybody has gotten the Aku Aku mask, the main thing I always remember is the sound he makes. is like... (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, whenever you... uh, Whenever you get hit and you lose, like, uh, the mask entirely... I remember, like, the sound effect he made was like, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the other major reoccurring valuables Crash finds in his adventures include gems and crystals. Most gems in the series are won by breaking open every crate in a level, 
Uh, starting with Cortex Strikes Back, an additional five color gems can be attained by completing special tasks or finding hidden areas. Uh, Crash Twin Sanity contains six color gems per level, uh, most of which are earned by solving a small puzzle. And then uh, Crystals, which play a key role in the plot of most games, Crash, uh, most Crash games following Cortex Strikes Back are usually required to make progress through most games. Uh, relics, first introduced in Warped, uh, are earned in time trial modes with more valuable relics earned for higher times. In the original game, players can also obtain two keys after completing two Cortex bonus rounds, which are used to unlock two extra levels. Uh, now, crates. Crates uh, come in several varieties uh, and can be found in abundance across Crash's world. Most crates will assist the player's journey through the game, providing Wampa Fruit, additional hit points in the form of Aku Aku masks, and extra lives. In most games, players will be awarded a gem if they break all the crates in a level. Uh, TNT and Nitro crates are the only boxes that can damage Crash. Uh, TNT crates have a 3 second fuse when jumped on, but Nitro crates will explode instantly upon any contact with Crash or anything else that runs into them. Uh, switch boxes, uh, which are distinguished by an exclamation mark, are used to make previously invisible crates appear. A uh, green switch box will detonate all Nitro crates in uh, the level. Uh, so basically... Uh, also, fun, uh, another fact about the Nitro crates is the fact that uh, not only do they start uh, to explode whenever you jump on them, but like say you destroy uh, because there's a uh, I know like the there's one of the levels in Crash One I remember this the most with there's a nit there's a TNT crate with a regular crate on top of it and then another TNT crate and you have to like break the one box in between them. And then they'll fall, like, one, the top one will fall on the other one, then it'll start the fuse as well. Hmm. So it's not just when Crash jumps on them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, nit Nitros can kiss my ass. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> uh, when they mean, like, any kind of contact, they, they mean any kind of fucking contact. Like, you, you, you breathe on that son of a bitch wrong, and it's going to blow. Can you not? <laughs> Hey, Gummy, what did he do? Oh, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, the, and then the exclamation mark, uh, the switch boxes, uh, just think of them as like uh, P blocks in Mario. Like, you know, you had that little P switch you hit, mm -hmm. and then it like changes the the some of the blocks in the level. It's basically the same premise. Um, crates marked with a C are checkpoints, which are the most important crates. Um uh, and uh, Crash will return to it if he is killed during uh, gameplay. Uh, locked crates are protected by a metal casing that can only be destroyed with Crash's body slam move, while spring crates allow him to reach um, high up areas by bouncing on them, which they usually have a like an arrow pointing, point, up. Yeah, pointing up on them. Uh, slot, slot boxes rapidly switch between multiple types of crates, uh, and if they are not broken in time, will become metallic and indestructible. Time boxes are a special crate found exclusively in time trial mode, and they will freeze the clock for the number of seconds displayed on the box, increasing the player's chance of beating the time trial. I, you know, we, we need to do an episode one day on, like, least favorite game modes. <laughs> because I hate time trials. I do, too. 
Or like any kind of elimination thing. Yeah. So the structure. Um, the original Crash Bandicoot uses a fairly linear structure in which Crash clears through uh, levels on a map with some areas accessible by locating gems. Beginning with Cortex Strikes Back, the game usually takes place in a hub world called a Warp Room with levels divided up into sets of five to progress the player must find and collect a crystal within each of the stages, which can be played in any order, before facing the boss of each room. Uh, from Twin Sanity onwards, the games took a more free-roaming approach with Crash traveling various areas on foot. Now, the, uh, the music. Very important. <laughs> Numerous composers have contributed music to the Crash Bandicoot series. Uh, Mutato Muzika's uh, Josh Mansell was responsible for the music of the first four games. And after the fourth game, numerous other composers were responsible for the music in other games. Uh, Steve Duckworth composed music for Crash Bash. Andy Blythe and Martin Joustra. Is that right? Yeah, it looks right. Yeah. Joustra. For the uh, Wrath of Cortex, uh, Ashif Hakik and Todd Mastin for Crash Nitro Kart and Spiral Mouth, composing a a cappella for Twin Sanity. And uh, the music for the tag team racing was composed by both Spiral Mouth and Mark Barrel, while Crash on the Titans, uh, cr uh, Crash of the Titans, and Mind Over Mutant were composed by uh, Barrel alone. You got a problem, man. Smacking those lips. He just clawed me. On the fingy. We had to let the damn cat in because he wouldn't shut up at the door. He's being a needy bitch. <laughs> Ow! Fucker! Ooh, that one got skinned pretty good, too. I saw that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yugi. <laughs> but anyway... That pretty much wraps up the information on Crash. We just pretty much spend the rest of the time talking about Crash. So, did you ever really play Crash growing up? No, not in the least bit. I have never played Crash before. It's, it's kind of weird, because like most people I know would play Crash a little bit. Mm -mm. Then again, you didn't have a... Your first PlayStation with the PS2, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, I could have played it, it's just I never did. Yeah. It's just, it was never a game that interested me. Oh, shit. Uh, was my, my little brain at the time was just Call of Duty and Madness. And that's the only th games that I really enjoyed playing on the PS2 at whenever I first got it. And WWE. Hell yeah. <laughs> WWE fucking slapped. I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, really, in all honesty, Crash is fun, but I get the same from it as I do, like, Mario. It's fun, but... Not for long. No. Like, Mario, honestly, is fun longer than Crash is. Yeah, but it's, like, fun. It's like, oh, nostalgia, and then you get, like, an hour in, and you're like, eh, this is kind of not it anymore. Yeah. Now, Crash is harder than Mario, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Except for maybe the older Marios, but other than that. But, like, once you get, like, 3D Marios, like, they're kind of... They're easier than Crash, in my opinion. Especially whenever you play the Vicarious Visions 
remake, I guess they're called. Uh, the Insane Trilogy. And they added those like two extra levels to it, dude. Like that one level in Crash 1 that they added was fucking hard. <laughs> that thing is a pain in the ass. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, uh, the I, th- I think we mentioned it uh, in the last episode during some of the information on the Insane Trilogy, but they they added two levels to the Insane Trilogy. One of them was in Crash 1. I think the other one was in Crash 3. Uh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head right now, but yeah, the one in Crash 1 was called the, the Stormy Ascent, and that thing is no damn joke. Isn't that where you're like going up the side of a building or something? Yeah, it's, it's based on one of the levels already in the game, which is like it's like raining, and like it's the side of the castle or something mm. like that. It's that, but it's like cranked to fucking 11. Because it's just... Other than that, like, mainly, like, when it comes to... When it comes to a choice between, like, the like the big staple platformers, I'd, I'd say, in terms of choice... Yeah, it's kind of weird. I like Sonic a little more than Mario. Just a little bit. But that also comes down to which Sonic game. Yeah. <laughs> Sonic 06, man. It's the one you need to play. <laughs> But, like, if we're talking, like, when it comes to Mario, I'd say, like, my favorite Mario is probably Mario 64 or Mario Odyssey. Because Mario Odyssey is very much like Mario 64, but newer to me, anyway. That's what I felt playing it. I never gave a shit about about Mario 64 or Super Mario Odyssey. I mean, I played, what was it, Sunshine? I played yeah. it for a little Sunshine bit. is fun, too, though. I played Sunshine for a good little bit. And then, like, my all-time favorite one is um super mario brothers like the uh the one like on the cover it's mario riding yoshi Mm -hmm. with the cape and everything that one right there which i can't remember which one that one is i think that's man i ain't gonna lie i'm just gonna be honest with you i don't know off the top of my head i think but i I like that one the most out of all the marios just because I remember playing that game as a four-year-old and just being confused as shit the entire time. I'd say the one I played the most was definitely Mario 64. And, like, I just get I get all kinds of feelings from that game every time I hear the music or the sound effects. Because it has very distinct, u- distinct of like, audio effects because of how they, when the year it came out and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, everything's echoey as fuck mm-hmm. it's like all you hear is mario say let's go with a bunch of echo and you know it's from 64 yeah. <laughs> or the yahoo and it's like high-pitched metallic and echoed like four times yeah and then like you get that one uh bowser theme or whatever from it. it's like that <laughs> <laughs> and then of course peach's castles music which is just like bum and then the infamous so long gay bowser <laughs> oh, yeah they, they actually had to patch that out i mean because people like i know what he was saying but like it just sounded he's just much. saying so long bowser but with the so, accent so long gay bowser yeah he put too much emphasis on the end of the g <laughs> long. so long gay bowser so long gay bowser <laughs> I was like, damn, what a Bowser dude. He's just, he's just a rainbow boy. Leave him alone. He didn't deserve any of that. But yeah, the... Uh, Crash is... I, I mean, I, I will say, even though, like, I, if I put them in order, I put, like, probably Mario, Sonic, Crash in that order. But 
it still holds its own place to me anyway. Yeah, Crash is one of those staple games that people will always bring up, just like Mario, Sonic, and all of that. I mean, the, the, even though Crash still, like, I mean, it's still technically getting games, because it just had Crash 4 not too long ago, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know, nowhere near as getting as much, anywhere near as much support as, like, Mario. Oh, no. Because more, I'd say out of all the old school games that are still going, Mario probably has the most support still. Mm-hmm. Second would probably be Legend of Zelda. Probably, yeah. Then again, I don't know when we're getting Breath of the Wild too. <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're really consistent with those Mario games though. Are oh they yeah. Fairly consistent with well, whether it's like an offshoot, like yeah, Mario. usually it's like it, it, like main Mario titles are like pretty spaced out, honestly. But like when it comes to like the side stuff, like you know Super Mario Party and like Mario, well, then Mario again, we haven't Mario. had another Mario Kart in a while either. But yeah, because like Mario Kart Eight came out in like the Wii U, mm-hmm. so it's then, been a hot minute for that one as well. But Crash in general is like anybody who had a PS1 or like a PS2 and had a copy of Crash, it's going to stick with them in some way, shape, or form. Because I feel like, because Crash had a lot of character. Even though he didn't talk, really. But, like, the game itself compared to Mario and Sonic had its own things going for it in terms of style. It was charming. And ca- yeah, in terms of style and character. And, like, I mean, it managed to stay pretty original, even though it was based off of a platformer mm-hmm. type thing. Because, I mean, just look at uh, character designs. I mean, I would probably say, like, one of the... Like, out of all the games made back in the day, 90% of her platformers. But you had those few offshoots, like Legend of Zelda, Final Fantasy, and stuff like that that wasn't a platformer. But it was mainly platformers for the time. Yeah, but I think I think a lot of that comes from the fact that at the time, platformers were the most easily programmable, probably. Yeah. More, uh, more and, or less, and they, and they were easy to catch the attention of people. Yeah, and they were easy to pick up for a little bit, and you know, play for a little bit, and not have to worry about a whole lot. But like when it comes to RPGs and stuff like that, you got to invest time. Yeah, that, that's always been something. You, you, whenever it comes to an RPG, especially JRPGs, you have to invest time. Yeah, you have to invest a lot of time. And like even outside of JRPGs, like we're getting more RPGs that aren't directly based off of a JRPG style necessarily. Uh, but have a lot of gameplay hours uh, in them. Yeah. I mean, just look at The Witcher 3 with yeah. all DLC in it. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a lot. You're looking at, like, bare minimum 200 hours right there. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, uh, I know, you know, Elden Ring is a... It's a JRPG. I mean, it, it, it's... At, a... Not at its core, it's not a JRPG, but it is a Japanese-developed RPG, which is still... A game you have to put a shit ton of time into. Yeah, but like in in terms of the core of how everything it's works, it's a lot more. Western. It's not. It's yeah. It's, it's it's more Western than it is JRPG. But honestly, in terms of in terms of any games that let you like you know give you levels and you level up skills and stuff like that or whatever have you, I I mean honestly, from softwares are the only ones I feel like are like that specifically. And, you know, that style of level up, which basically, if you guys don't know, when you level up in, like, the FromSoft games, like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Elden Ring, You use your currency to level up. Yeah, you use your, uh, say, like, your Souls in the Souls games. Uh, you use them to buy 
weapons and stuff like that. If you know there's somebody selling a weapon you want and everything, you use them to level up. You use them to do copious amounts of things. Which like in in the early game, I probably say like, like the first twenty to thirty hours. It's a, it's I don't want to say it's a lot, but it's a fair amount of micromanaging. It's like, do I want to get these two levels or do I want to upgrade this this weapon? Yeah. Mainly an Elden Ring, though. Yeah. It's a lot simpler of a process in the older games. But an Elden Ring... Eld, one thing I'll say about Elden Ring, and I didn't complain about it, because I didn't realize the full depth to the game, but it starts off really kind of fucking slow. Yeah. It starts off pretty damn slow. Like, you don't get a lot of runes for shit at all. Like, I remember by the time we left... By the time we killed uh, Godric... I mean, we weren't even that high a level. What were, What do you think we were, like 30, 40? Something Maybe. like that? But it was hard as shit to get runes. Yeah. And that, I mean, we would we would farm that giant area, which then again, at, at that current level, that was a really high-risk, high-reward type situation. And if you fucked up twice, you would, of course, pass away a very horrendous death. <laughs> but... But yeah, after that, the game speeds up a lot more. But also, in ter- not really in terms of just the way that you use... Basically, what is your currency to level up as well? Which, of course, when you die, you have a bloodstain, which has all the souls that you had on you at the time on it. And if you die before getting it back, you lose them. Yeah. But the the main thing I'm talking about is, like, whenever you level up a stat, it's it's not like, all right, so take, take like, three RPGs and then, like, you know, have, have a Souls game at the end of it. So, like, let's take uh, Skyrim, The Witcher, and... Uh, the Witcher 3 specifically, mainly. And then uh, let's take Persona 5 or Final Fantasy or something like that because they basically mm-hmm. work the same. So Skyrim, you level up, you go to the level up screen, you pick one of your three main things to increase a little bit, whether health, magic, or stamina. <clears throat> and then after that, you have a bunch of trees that you can put skill points into, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty basic Western-style RPG type shit. When it comes to The Witcher... Um, you have, like, basically a skill tree as well, but it's a little bit different. Yeah, and, and, it's a lot of it different. And basically, like, there's there's some skills in the skill trees in Skyrim that you can put multiple points into, but, like, The Witcher is all about putting multiple points into skills. Yeah, because The Witcher, it's still very just swordsy and, and everything, but you can definitely go down the route of, like, builds a little bit more, but not really that much, because Geralt is still just a swordsman with magic powers. And everything. The more builds be, mainly come in is like equipment. Yeah, you can mainly choose to have like really good Igni or something like that. Yeah. Or you can focus on, I can't remember if this was a skill, like you kill people and you get stamina back or something and like that. And then of that. course your potions and everything you drink also accumulate to being a build, basically. Yeah. But And then you got like Final Fantasy slash Persona 5 or whatever have you, JR, regular basic JRPG type stuff. You level up and all that happens is your stats get increased. Yeah, and then you really uh, don't have points to put into anything. You just past that point that that depends on the game, really. Yeah, I mean, Final um, Fantasy fifteen had it to where you could like you had an AP, you had you had experience and AP, which were completely separate. Which you didn't get AP just from leveling up. You got it just from like completing tasks in general. Did you not? I think you got you get some from battle. Wasn't there like a separate bar for AP though? You're thinking of FP. It, no, AP didn't have a bar. You just got certain amounts of it from like completing. Stuff. Depending okay. on how battle. Went. I, I, I couldn't remember if it had its like its own like XP bar in a way. No, it didn't. Okay. 
Uh, but like, like take for instance Final Fantasy VII. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, you leveled up. All it did was increase stats and whatnot. You didn't really do anything there, but where you mainly built your character was the materia system, mm-hmm. which you equipped materia, materia to your weapons and armor or, and whatnot. And doing that is what gave you your spells, your your special attack skills, all that kind of shit. Um, so that's how that was linked. And then whenever it comes to Persona 5, uh, leveling up just increases stats and whatnot so you don't do anything there still but it's based on your personas how what abilities you have in combat and everything kind of like the material system in a way Mm -hmm. Uh, but basically whatever personas you have on you determine what uh, spells and stuff that they can get and what you can use basically because you may have a persona that can use uh, Zeo which is like lightning Mm -hmm. and then you have but you have another one that can't use lightning but it can use fire yeah, and shit. So you can and you can switch between your personas in the middle of battle and everything, depending on whatever the enemy's weakness is. But then you got from software games, which are build heavy, intensive games. Oh yeah, but basically the way it works is when you when you level up, it's not based on something that happens right after a battle or anything like that. Like yeah. all these other games we just mentioned, like it doesn't say you leveled up or anything like that. You have to go sit at whatever the checkpoint is or whatever, depending on which game it is and click the level up screen and use your souls to level up. Mm-hmm. And all what you're doing each time you level up a level, you are increasing one of your stats by an increment of one. Mm-hmm. So say your strength is 20. If you, if you move it once, you're leveling up your strength once and spending the required amount of souls to level up once. And your soul, like the soul requirement for each level... Goes up. Goes up. And Elden Ring, it goes up pretty damn high. Yeah, and it's regardless of what stat you level up. At every level that you, you level up, it increases the amount of souls you level up, that it takes to level up by a set amount. Like, if you're focusing mainly on a strength build, but there's a really cool weapon that you want to use, but for some reason it just takes, like... 15 dexterity and you're at 13 your strength could be at 40 but you still need let's just say for instance like 200,000 runes just to put one point in the dexterity then your next level it's going to be like 210,000 runes yeah yeah I mean so it's not like you go to dexterity it's like oh 400 runes again yeah which if it did that would be completely broken as shit but here we are getting onto Elden Ring again somehow (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But other, but basically, back to what we were saying before we got on this whole RPG spiel is the fact that there's a lot more going on with an RPG compared to a platformer that takes more programming and also on top of that, it takes more time to invest in playing the game as a player. Mm-hmm. Because a platform compared, a platformer compared to, I don't care who you ask, if they say that uh, what I'm saying is wrong, they're wrong. That's all I got to say. But basically, a platformer is always going to be simpler than an RPG or a fighting game or anything like that because the fact that there's a lot less going on in terms of the I mean, background. You can always just turn your brain off mm-hmm. playing a platform. Yeah, there are times you're gonna be like, huh, I gotta think about that for a little bit. Boom, never mind. But like take for instance, like if I play Mario Odyssey right now, like if I go in there and play Mario Odyssey after we get done recording. I'm just gonna be playing Mario Odyssey. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna be doing. Mm-hmm. It's just a fun game to just sit down and chill with. But say I I go in there and I start playing Dragon Ball Fighters, I gotta think <laughs> nonstop. <Yeah. laughs> there is no chill when you play that game. 
you have to be on your feet the entire time. I would even say if I go in there and play Yu-Gi-Oh, I have to think the entire time, well, yeah. especially due to the fact that I don't play meta decks. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's not saying that I think a platformer is a bad game. They have their place. A platformer is still a good game. It's just they are a lot simpler of a game to make in terms of the coding and programming and everything compared to any of the other genres usually, except for maybe like one of those weird, whack-ass genres that come out of nowhere that nobody gives a shit about. <laughs> I can't really think of any. I mean, platform, I mean, I I mean even other than like Candy Crush or something like that. I mean, just look at a shooter. Like, it's still, like, even that is more... It's still complex because you got to think about... Like your more complex shooters, like especially like, if they have like actual projectile physics and not like you know CS:GO laser physics, basically. Yeah, I mean if it's something like Battlefield, you got to know the trajectory. Yeah, you got to know about how far away you're talking. And even is. though we talk sh- mad shit on Call of Duty a lot of times, even Call of Duty is still complex because it has a projectile-based physics. Yeah. Because it takes time for a bullet to reach somebody. It's not instantaneous. Yeah. I mean, it might feel like it is because, I mean, it's going really damn fast. Yeah, but that's but just a th- bullet. <laughs> but the thing is, and one thing that they don't do on Call of Duty, and it's not really a big complaint of mine, but if you sit there and you take a 1911 and then you take a 556, they're going to hit their target at the same time, which is complete bullshit, by Yeah, the way. because <laughs> it's complete fucking bullshit. Because, because I mean, a 556 is going like, what, like 2000 or something like that? It's it's very much hypersonic. Yeah, and then uh, a forty five ACP is going eight hundred and fifty feet per second. Very subsonic. <laughs> <laughs> it is a ammo that literally is already subsonic. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot to program there, just in the terms of the the projectiles. Mm-hmm. Not to mention each gun. Not to mention how your character moves. Not to mention the map and the way it works. And make sure there's nothing you're, you're not going to clip through a fucking building all of a sudden. And like, then like head glitching and shit like that. Yeah. Or which, if y'all don't know what head glitching is, is basically to where you can see over a wall perfectly fine, but the only thing that your opponent sees is like your mohawk. Yeah. And that that's essentially it. I remember that we had, there was big problems with that in uh, Rainbow. Oh yeah. yeah, you could you could see around a corner, but they couldn't see you, and then they made it way worse because like then it's they like, had like pri- by the time you could see around a corner, they could see like half your body. <laughs> yeah, I mean they like they introduced. Well, I think it's always been there, but it really started to get noticeable later on. Priority, like aggression priority. Yeah, and I I didn't like that because I mean, it, honestly, at that point, I don't even think it matters about your ping. Because Caleb knows whenever I was playing at my old house, I was playing with like 300 kilobytes a second phone speed, like internet. I was having to use a hotspot. Granted, yeah, I could sit there and rush a corner and have no issue. And I could sit and I could sit behind a corner and sometimes have no issue. It really just depends on how fast you're moving and how aggressive you want to be sometimes. Which there's a lot of people that were aggressive as hell. Which there were a couple <laughs> times I'd be sitting there at a corner and all of a sudden I'd be fucking dead. I'm like... How did this happen? And I watched the replay, and I'm just sitting there staring at the fucking wall. Like, I, like I'm just... I don't even know. Like, it's my wife or something. Dude, I remember there was this one match we played. Uh, I played with Oscar and them back in college. And we were playing on uh, the, the ship. And... Or the yacht or whatever it mm-hmm. was. And we were defending objective in that one fucky room. Where, Are you talking about the ice plays? 
Yeah, the yacht stuck in the ice. Yeah. yeah. There's that, you know, there's that one fucky room that they put objective in. Is it at the like, very bottom? No, it's it's not at the very bottom. It's like one of the actual uh, room rooms. It's the one with like, oh. the bar in it and everything. I don't know okay. if you remember that room. It's but not, there's like so many fucking entry points yeah. because all those walls are destructible. There's a window right there and there's a doorway. We, oh, you're talking you're talking about the uh, the casino room. Yes. Yes. That place is fucking <laughs> shit. We were sitting no shit. We were sitting there. It was dead calm. You could hear footsteps. But we were like, what the fuck are they doing? And then shit hit the fan instantly. Like we're talking Hibana blew a wall. Thermite blew another one. Fucking Ash was coming through the door, and then we had a f- <laughs> fucking Thatcher throwing in EMPs. And we are just like, holy shit! <laughs> we died very quickly. Because <laughs> that game, we decided to hold objective because of how bad the room was. Yeah. But <laughs> we shouldn't have. <laughs> Which, in that map specifically, you can roam as a defender, but it's not that wise. Because there are so many different corners mm-hmm. and you can just get caught lacking so fast in that in that entire map but i'd probably say that's the biggest fuck you map that in there not like favela or something like that or like a consulate you can roam a lot easier because there's more open areas and yeah. there's le- there's a less there's a smaller chance that you're going to get completely flanked yeah into where you can flank your opponent and everything but it really just, you got to change up your place all depending on the map. And Whether you want to be really defensive or kind of more roaming and aggressive. Yeah. But back to platforms anyway. When it comes to a platformer, they will always have their place in gaming because, to be fair, they were basically right at the forefront of gaming when it came out. I mean, hell, I mean, like, like, like we were talking about, like Mario. Yeah, Mario. I mean, even like. Some Atari games were platformers. Yeah. And then, of course, when it comes to Atari, like, everything was... Awful. Not really that. It's just everything was, like, relatively... Overly simple. Yeah. And I wouldn't really say, you know, the programming was easy, because I don't know how it was back then, but, like, to be fair, it only took eight months to make a game. Mm-hmm. That was their deadlines, usually. Versus nowadays, I mean... How long were they, uh... Excluding Duke Nukem, just because they got stuck in development, <laughs> just because that got stuck in development hell. But like, I'm trying to think of the game that actually took a while to come out. Final Fantasy 15. Final Fantasy 15. Final C- Fantasy 7 remake. Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk took fucking forever to come out, and you know it shouldn't have come out when it did, and it, and it shouldn't have. Not but at all. unfortunately, impatient motherfuckers were hounding their ass and sending death threats to the CEO's family. Yeah. So yeah, I mean they were kind of pressured. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hell, we're still waiting on GTA Six, but I, at this point, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, they've dug that hole. I mean, <laughs> oh. Oh, uh, I mean, there's a lot of games in through, like especially when it comes to like Final Fantasy VII's as they got newer, they definitely had long development times mm-hmm. and delays. Surprise, Final Fantasy VII got delayed twice. Yeah, after getting a big announcement. Which the thing is, normally Japanese companies don't delay that much. It's mainly like Western and European type games that get pushed back a lot more. We're still waiting on Elder Scrolls Six. Y- yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, we, we, I mean, we still have, uh, what is that game? It's not StarCraft. It's uh, Starfield. Starfield. I mean, 
they've been hyping that game up for years. Yeah. I mean, literal years. I mean, they announced it and ES6 at the same time. Yeah. I mean, years. I mean, and, and we're expecting it to come out maybe within like the next two years. Yeah, maybe. Which, honestly, I have high hopes, but I feel like I'm going to be disappointed at the same time. Not this, Not really the same way Cyberpunk was, but... It's another Bethesda game, and you know I'm a I'm a drop whatever I'm doing and play a new Bethesda game, just because I like I, I love Bethesda's writing and I like their games, but they get way too simple as time goes by. Yeah, and I don't want this game just to be like two pistols, two rifles, two space lasers. Two I mean, ships. I mean, you, I know you. I mean, I've told you this a hundred times at this point, but like that was my main reason why I was disappointed with Skyrim in terms of compared to Oblivion. Yeah, I mean, whatever I because played, I mean, Obliv- I, I still, I mean, I still loved playing it, and it was still a good game, and it had good story, good writing behind a lot of the, you know, the quest and everything like that. But like, it was just the fact that when it came to equipment. And a lot of other things. It wasn't diverse. It wasn't. I mean, you had like you had the, you had the same exact weapons for every single type of weapon. You you had you had different types of weapons which were still very small type amount. Yeah. You had steel, iron, uh, stalrum. Yeah. Uh, ebony, glass, ebony, daedric, dwarven, dwarven, uh, uh, orcish. Orc-ish, yeah. Yeah. And then like elvish. Yeah, and then of course you know armor had leather added to it too. Yeah, and, you had leather hide. scaled, but you had very small amount of types on stuff, and then you had the same exact group of things within that type. So every single thing had a sword, a dagger, a dagger, a, a mace, axe, uh, a mace, yeah, a, lo- a, a great sword, a great sword, a great axe, a great hammer, a bow. Yeah, arrows, a shield. Yeah, a shield. I mean, it's it, basic as it fucking gets. Yeah, I mean, in some, and, and I'm pretty sure everybody knows it's like, in some place, and damn it, what's the word I'm looking for? Some materials just focus more on like heavy armor. Yeah. Or something like that. Like Daedric focuses on heavy armor. Steel's and heavy, iron's heavy. The only things that were really light. Leather. and Leather, stall room. And a lot of special armor sets. Yeah. <laughs> But then that's where the modding community comes in. Yeah. Which, thankfully, modding is fantastic. And modding is fairly easy on consoles. Because, honestly, in my opinion, like, I hate to say it this way, but I feel like modding Skyrim is the way to play it. It is. It brings a whole new life to it. It really does. And it gives it what it needs, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. More shit. Yeah, because... I we Hell, have... even mods that add, like, NPC, more NPCs to the world are great. Yeah, because we've been playing the same fucking game for 11 years. Yeah, and they're just re-releasing it constantly. Yeah, I mean, and there being such a huge mod list to sift through, whether you're on Nexus or whether you're on console, unless you're on PlayStation. (laughs) Or, uh, I mean, even if you just hop on, like, if you hop on the games, you can go to mods from the main menu now. Yeah. You've been able to do that since the special edition came out. Which, one thing that I really wish that they would have, but... I'm not even going to say it's not a big deal, because it kind of is a big deal. Having a tool that helps you with load order. 
Yeah. Because if you don't have that, you're going to fuck a lot of shit Honestly, up. Honestly, the main way you can, uh, the main way the, that load order is dealt with is on PC. When, yeah, I mean, when you actually have your mods running through your files and not just the game. Yeah, because like we have, like me and Caleb have a friend who mods the shit out of all of his games on PC, but he has a tool that automatically sorts everything in his load order yeah. to where everything will run at its best capacity. Yep. And I wish console had that because my Fallout 4 save. No matter what I do, my game will always be fucked up. <laughs> Even if I play a vanilla game, my game will still be fucked up because it has rewrote the code so hard to where it has fucked the game up. I didn't even know about that. I thought you. I thought it was just while I was modded. No. Holy shit. Yes, it fucks the game. And I even tried it with like just one mod, one mod, and I don't even remember what it was. It was something so simple. I think it was like radio, wasn't it, or something? No, no it was like it was just a develop like a cheat room. Like everything has, even 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 PlayStation has cheat rooms, and everything. My game would still fuck up so bad, I could not go into the Commonwealth, I could not pull up my Pit-Boy, my Pit-Boy was invisible, and my game would fucking crash every time, even without a Pit-Boy mod, I couldn't play the fucking game. What I had to do on my main pro, on my main character, I had to sit there and play the fucking game in pieces, just so I could get from A to be i would play i would walk 100 feet save quit load back in walk 100 feet if i could save quit walk another five feet save quit if i could you want to know how long it took me to get to the place where you find uh uh what's her name Cade? you know like the irish chick it took me an hour and a fucking half to get there it's because my game kept fucking crashing speaking of pulling up pit boys whenever i first got the pc from elijah <laughs> Uh, the first time I played Fallout 4, uh, of course, you know, since it was already his, he already had some mods on some of the games yeah. and everything. I uh, I went to play Fallout 4, and then I pulled up the Pip-Boy, and the game crashed. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? So I was like, all right, all right, try it again. Hop back in, pulled up the Pip-Boy, game crashed. Every time you pulled up the Pip-Boy, the game crashed. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so I looked through the files, okay? His mods weren't running through the game. He had his mods in his files. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll look through the files, see if there's anything that mentions the Pip-Boy. Maybe maybe I'll get lucky and it'll be that simple. Well, it was that simple. The thing was, there was 10 mods going at once for the Pip-Boy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what they were? Cosmetic mods for the Pip-Boy. I remember you telling me about this. Like He had like 30 like different skins on it at once or something. Yeah, it, like was like, it was like different colors and shit and everything all running at once. Like You had red, blue, yellow, camo. Like fucking... <laughs> so, I mean, so your, your Pip-Boy was just having a seizure. It's, it's, it's like, hey, I need you... <laughs> but I, I will say one of my favorite mods, other than, you know, like the whole Clone Trooper mod, which that was... Fucking spectacular, by the way. That oh, yeah, that was cool. That was extremely well-crafted. Yeah, that, that one was I was cool. very proud of that, especially since you got to customize your own clone I also, armor. I also liked the uh, the mod you had for, like, actual realistic modern weapons. Like, you had, like, the... the... I had a SIG MCX. Yeah, it was fucking cool. It was cool as shit. And you got to customize... Well, you all, I, I didn't know it until afterwards, but you had to download another mod along with it. Yeah. Because I was wondering why some of my skins I would change it to would just be pink. Like, it, like whenever a game like that has like just like a pink or like a really bright fluorescent color, it basically means just like file or like image.exe is not here. Yeah. Pretty much. And whenever I finally downloaded that mod, like I could change my gun to so many different colors. I could change out my shit so much more. 
and everything. And then you also had like the the little vendor thing you could get the guns from. You actually used pre war money on it. Yeah, that, yeah, I thought that one was pretty cool. Like you actually had to use pre war money to buy like real weapons and ammunition. Yeah. Like if I needed five five six. I could go get a bunch of pre-war money and done, like use a vending machine, just like how I wish America was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh man, what you getting for lunch? More nine mil. <laughs> <laughs> More nine mil. I'm not that hungry today, but damn, my gun is. <laughs> uh, like another one of my favorite mods on Fallout is it completely changed the Pit Boy system completely. Instead of it being like a regular Pit Boy in my arm. It w- and it actually and what I liked about it, it actually had its own lore written into it. It was a tablet. It was a it was an early prototype Robco Pit Boy tablet. And Yeah, it was very similar to the Fallout three. Yeah. Except it was bigger. Yeah, it was a tablet, like the entire screen was in H D. It was like four it was like a four K display, like a legit four K display. And like all the color and like lines were sharper. It was just a prettier thing. And to me, it kind of, I don't want, it didn't, I'm putting air quotes around this, make more sense. But for the character I was running, I was running like a, 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 a tactical character <laughs> and everything like that. And like I would stop and pull out this tablet to see my map positions and everything like that because, you know, I had, and all that. I really enjoyed that, but I could not go into the Commonwealth. I could play everything on the outside of the Commonwealth, but I could not for the fucking life of it go inside of the Commonwealth. I couldn't go in the city. I couldn't do shit whenever it came to going anywhere with a fucking, like, skyscraper. I just couldn't. And it really... It didn't bother me whenever I was doing the very first, uh... What do they call? Minutemen missions. Because those are small cities. They don't have a lot going on. But like I said, whenever you get into, like, the actual heart of Boston... And everything, that's when shit went fucking south. Because it's trying to load in a million different things at once. It's trying to load in all these NPCs with all these new weapons and everything. Because I didn't know it at the time. NPCs got modern weapons. They would be running around with fucking AKs, Mac-11s, and shit like that. I mean, I felt like I was in Boston. But... But I, seriously, I couldn't move like more than just a few feet because if a raider saw me and they started shooting at me, my game would crash. And even just like I said, simple traversal, my game would crash. Boy, don't you ever throw a super mutant at me because my game, like I felt like my Xbox was really about to jump off a cliff <laughs> at that point. And my Xbox is way more powerful than my fucking PlayStation is by far. But it was like, hey, boss, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we have successfully gotten off topic again. Um, I feel like it's just pretty much par for course at this point. <laughs> but back to the topic for a little bit here, just to finish up. Um, Crash Bandicoot will always be, in some ways, even if it's just small ways, an influential game. Especially on people in terms of nostalgia and everything like that. Just because of the fact that there was a lot of people have played at least the first Crash Bandicoot. I can't and, really think of a lot of things that Crash has actually influenced, though. I mean, other than just a nostalgia factor, I can't really think of other... That's, that's about it. It was just really the nostalgia factor, just because it, it itself was influenced by... A lot of things. ...other games on top of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like the fact that... I mean, take, for instance, like the Batman Arkham games influenced... The Shadow series. The Shadow series and even Spider-Man. Whenever, whenever we say Shadow, we really got to clarify. because The Shadow. Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor yeah, the, the, and Shadow yeah, the of Lord of the, the Lord of the Rings Shadow series. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which, I mean, it, it influenced that and also, you know, to a lot of extents influenced uh, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that in itself became it an influential game. Yeah. And then, but, you know, Shadow and Spider-Man aren't really going to be influential games in that aspect. Uh, yeah, because not, the fact not, that they were influenced by another game. The only thing I could think about from the Shadow series that would influence something is the Nemesis system. Yeah. Which, honestly, is not a bad system. Can be a little tedious, Oh, it, it got kind of got a lot of tedious in some points on war. It really did because yeah. you'd be in the middle of a fight trying to take over a fort, and all of a sudden you have three of your best generals that you have had for hours, and they're like, "Fuck you, Italian! I don't yeah. give a shit about you anymore. This is my place." But when it when it comes to when it comes to Crash, back on topic, uh, when it comes to Crash, it's gonna it's gonna stay pretty high to some people compared to you know the the main staples of gaming like Mario and Sonic and everything and. Uh, just because of the fact that it is of that same ilk, I guess. Yeah, just the pure, like, just nostalgia. Yeah, because, I mean, everybody's going to love Mario. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to love Sonic. That love Sonic It's just a thing to have. Unless you get a bad game, then you're kind of mad, but you still love it. It's one of those games, it's 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 always someone's favorite, but it, they all but that person always knows that there's way better games than it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, when it comes to platformers, like we were saying earlier, like... I won't really say way better games, just because that's very subjective, depending on someone's opinion. Yeah. But like, mainly just in fact, there's more different style of game out there that you could spend a lot more time with and get a lot more money's worth out of, in my opinion. Like out of those three, out of Mario, Crash, and Sonic, I'd say the only ones you can get a lot of your money's worth out of if you're willing to do like everything in it is probably Mario. Just because of how much shit, like how many stars and shit or whatever it is mm-hmm. of the game there is to collect and everything. Uh, one, one example for me, I will always say that Red Dead Revolver is one of my favorite games of all time. Even though I've never actually said it in the podcast, I don't think. Uh, you but, might have, but I can't really remember if you have or not. But it will always be one of my favorite games of all times. But I know that it is nothing in comparison to, let's say... Red Dead Revolver 2. Well, not Red, Red Dead Redemption 2, I'm sorry. No, no, I, I'm, I'm straying from, like, the Red series. Yeah, okay, Because yeah. they're all beautiful games, and they're all some of my favorite games. Red Dead Redemption 2. Of all it, times. It got But, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just going to leave it with Revolver, because it's going to be really hard to say that, subjectively, of course, that there is a hardcore, much better game than Red Dead 2. Because it's such a good game in its own category. Yeah. Now, like, Red Dead, Revolver, I love it. And like I said, it's one of my favorite games. But I will always find games like Mass Effect and like Monster Hunter better. I'm not saying that that Red Dead Revolver was a shit game because by no means it wasn't. It laid the fi- it laid down the foundation for the Red Dead series. Mm-hmm. Hardcore. If it wasn't for Red Dead Revolver, we wouldn't have Red. We wouldn't. We wouldn't have uh, John Marston. We wouldn't have Arthur Morgan. We wouldn't have Dutch Vanderlyn. We wouldn't have any of those characters if it wasn't for that. But I know that like I've had way more fun playing a Monster Hunter game, or an like a Dark Souls game, or Mass Effect. But in its own way, it will always hold a very special place in my heart. I mean, it's the same thing with me and uh, Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Ocarina of Time is by far my most favorite game of all time, just to me. But in terms of other games that you know. Like even sticking with the the actual like same franchise, like I I I kind of enjoy playing Breath of the Wild a little more, in terms of the gameplay loop. Yeah. Because there's a lot more going on there, but I'll still like if I get the chance to play Ocarina of Time, 
again. I, I, I do. Just because, I mean, it's, it's, it's just going back to that and experiencing something that I experienced as a kid and experiencing it differently because I've gotten older. Yeah, and you get to see things in a different light. <laughs> yeah. Just like just like whenever uh, Gunner got Red Dead Revolver on PS2 for PS4, I was laughing my ass off because as a kid, I didn't get a lot of the jokes. I didn't get a lot of the humor. But now that I'm older, I'm like, this is funny as shit. I mean, it's like watching SpongeBob as an adult. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, as a kid, it was funny. But as an adult, you're like, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Like, I'm like, Squidward, I love you, man. <laughs> I don't know why I never did. But, and like, like sticking, like going outside of the Zelda franchise, like Ocarina of Time compared to like, you know, Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Like Final Fantasy VII to, to me compared to Ocarina of Time has a lot more going on with it, a lot more to do in it. Mm-hmm. And you can spend a lot more hours on it. Which, of course, that's my second favorite game of all time, but still. Um, just like the fact that... What was I trying to get around here to? Basically, it's the same premise as what you were saying. It's just the fact that even though that is my favorite game, I'll find other games that are, are can have a lot more put into it. They're a lot more appealing to the eye. Not really that per se, but just there's a lot more I can do with it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'll enjoy it a lot more because there's a lot more I can do in general Yeah. before beating the game. And getting back to another topic, talking about like influences, like how Crash really hasn't influenced it. I do enjoy games that have oh. have influenced other games in themselves. And just like Legend of Zelda inspired the Dark Souls and well Demon Souls and Dark Souls series. Dark Souls and Demon Souls have inspired its whole genre and shit like that. Which that was one of its influences was Zelda, yeah. but like it had a bunch. I mean yeah, of course Berserk being the biggest one. Yeah, I mean because <laughs> I mean it's really Everyone's favorite become... slice of life anime. <laughs> <laughs> The best romance. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of. That's really the the biggest game that I can think of on top of my head that has inspired. I was inspired by something, but yet has inspired a lot of. But like, a game to me isn't really. I don't really think a game has to influence things to be a good game. Yeah. Like, just I enjoy Hot Take here. I enjoy Spider Man. Marvel's Spider-Man more than I enjoyed Batman Arkham. Mainly because of Spider-Man. That's one of the yeah. reasons. But also on the fact that, to me, Traversal's more fun. Because it's fucking Spider-Man. Yeah. Instead of, you know, grappling and gliding everywhere, I can just fucking swing at mock speeds everywhere. <laughs> and, you know, the combat is based on Arkham, but it's not exactly the same as Arkham. And everything. I mean, it's just the spicier Arkham. Yeah. And... But, like, to me, like, the Spider-Man games, I couldn't put the fuckers down. Mm-mm. Like, after I started playing them, it was just fucking nonstop. Like, but, like, Batman, you know, I'd be sitting there, it's like, man, I need to take a break. Like, because <laughs> this shit's getting fucking stressful. <laughs> it's because you... And, like I said, hot take. It's because you've played a game that was spicier and better, and then you go back and, like, play its predecessor, or, like, its influence. You're just like, I... I, I I can see where the fun factor is, but it's just not hitting. Which me I still, hard. I still find the Arkham games very fun. It's just compared to Spider-Man, <laughs> and of course, you know, we we've been over this. Trevor doesn't like Batman, but I like Batman. That's like the only DC hero I like slash his enemies. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but 
anyway, uh, getting back to topic real quick to close out because we ain't got much time. But anyway, Crash Bandicoot is very important uh, in terms of nostalgia and everything like that. And just the fact that it was one of PlayStation's main games. And it will always be important. That's mm-hmm. just the way it is. But uh, this has been another episode of Odyssey Disable. I'm your host, Caleb Center. And this is me, Trevor King Thick. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Ciao.